This is your reminder that Karen, Delena, and Shalon are not professionals of any kind. If you need medical, fitness, or nutritional advice, please seek out qualified professionals that do that sort of thing. Well, hey there. You have stumbled into Sister Sharpen Sister. Three sisters get together each week and talk about first one thing and then another. Welcome back to the final installment of our three-part series on sleep. In part one, Delena covered some of the more common sleep disorders. In part two, Shalon hit the high spots on some of the information that we have regarding sleep, weight management, and your fitness, especially in regards to uh, building and maintaining muscle. And today, we're gonna to get into a little bit of sleep hygiene. You know what that is? You're about to find out. Oh, before we get started, subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already, and be sure to share it with your family and your friends. Now we can get started. All right, now we're going to talk about sleep hygiene. That's the 21st century terminology for bedtime habits. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently there's a lot to it. Nowadays, yeah. And I, I've got some information pulled up that we'll go over too concerning uh, blue light, which is a hot topic when we're talking about sleep. From the CDC, the tips for a good bedtime routine include being consistent, which means going to bed at the same time each night and getting up at the same time each morning, even on weekends and holidays. So that's what Dee was talking about. <laughs> you know, even on medical leave, she's still getting up at the same time. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it's not exactly the same time, but it's real close to it. Yeah. And the same thing with my husband. He usually gets up at four o'clock in the morning because he works an hour away. Usually get out of bed sometime between four and four thirty. The alarm goes off at four. Sometimes he hits snooze. <laughs> <laughs> but even this uh, past week while we were on vacation, he was still awake and out of bed by five. Yeah. Like close to the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Close to it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Make the bedroom quiet dark, relaxing, and at a temperature that is suited for sleep. Now that temp varies yes. depending on each person. Research has suggested that a good temperature to aim for is somewhere between 68 and 72 degrees. Freezing my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> do you notice like when you get real sleepy, you get cold? Do you do that? Yeah, your body temperature will lower, but uh, I need it to be cooler to sleep well. And with hot flashes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a fan is very nice. Yes, it is. <laughs> I have a fan yeah. on my bedside table that I use. They tell you not to sleep with a fan like that. I know. I know. But when you're getting a hot flashes, trust me, it is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I sleep with a fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> the ceiling fan, I mean, it's great. But for me, when I'm hot flashing, I, that one on the bedside table is, is like perfect. What I've I, noticed myself is I will be freezing when I'm going to sleep. But mm -hmm. then Tim says in the middle of the night, I'm a furnace. Yeah. Arnie is a furnace. I don't sleep with covers on until he's actually up and out of the bed. It's funny. Well, Tim and I will watch a show and I will be cold until it hits about 10 or 1030. And then it's like, I have to take my sweater off, have to take my blanket off because I get hot. <laughs> I'm like, and it's the same time every night. <laughs> I, I, I can't, 
yeah, you're consistent, but my hot flashes, I can't time them. They happen just whenever. No, this isn't a hot flash. It's just, I don't know. My body temperature just got warm. I have, I, I can't explain it. That's your Tim, metabolism. I, yeah. Tim looks at me and goes, you're weird. <laughs> Another tip from the CDC is to remove electronic devices. Get them completely out of the room. Phones, computers, tablets, and TVs. A lot of people have a TV in their bedroom. I have a TV in my bedroom, but it's rarely on. No, I don't have a TV in the bedroom here. And we do sleep with our phones beside the bed. A lot of people do that nowadays because guess what? That's what you use for your alarm clock. Alarm, yeah. Right? And anyone who's a diabetic that has a continuous glucose monitor, you have to have your phone within 20 feet of you. Yes. Now, one thing I do with my phone is I mute it. I completely and totally mute it when I go to sleep. But it will sound, my alarm sounds, but that's it. Yeah, I have a do not disturb set from 10 p.m. until like 8 a.m. I would have to look at it in order to to tell you what it says. But from like 10 o'clock until an appropriate get up out of bed time. Yeah. Did any of your research, Karen, talk about the waves that come off of our phone and everything like the? What I read specifically talked about blue light. It's what I'm going to talk about now. Um, Yeah, I I always put my phone face down when I'm sleeping as well. Yes, I do too. All right. So what is blue light? Blue light is a part of the visible light spectrum that the human eye can see. It vibrates between 380 and 500 nanometers, and it is the shortest wavelength with the highest amount of energy. And about one third of all visible light is considered to be blue light, with sunlight being the best source. So blue light exposure from screens is small compared to the amount from the sun, but there is a concern with the long-term effects of screen exposure from digital devices, especially when it comes to too much screen time and screens too close to your eyes. I don't know if screens from the 60s and 70s emitted blue light, but I'm sure that they had some sort of it. So our parents telling us to get away from the TV because it was bad for our eyes when we were standing too close, they were actually correct. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah. (laughs) According to research, 80% of American adults use digital devices for more than two hours a day. Almost everybody works with or on a computer. So I can understand that. Nearly 67% of those adults use two or more devices at a time. And 59% of those individuals have symptoms of digital eye strain. Since our eyes are not good at blocking blue light, because almost all visible blue light passes through the eye and reaches the retina, the retina is what converts the light into a, an energy source that the brain can interpret that gives us the images that we see. So constant exposure to blue light over time can damage the retina and cause vision problems such as age-related macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. It can also contribute to cataracts, eye cancer, and abnormal growth in the eye. And according to a study by the National Eye Institute, children are at a higher risk than adults because their eyes absorb more blue light from digital devices. People Mm -hmm. who use digital devices also blink less, which contributes to dry eye and eye strain. The common signs of that eye strain include headache, blurred vision, stiff neck, and shoulder pain. So how does it affect sleep? So if you use this before bed, because it's blue light, 
light is what the body uses to establish your circadian rhythm. So after the sun goes down, if you're using these devices, TVs, phones, tablets, Game Boys, all of that plays a role in keeping you awake. It also interrupts the circadian rhythm, which can, according to some research, lead to type 2 diabetes, an increase in cardiovascular disease, cancer, sleep disorders, and cognitive dysfunctions. That's why people who work night shift get paid more. (laughs) Because it basically kills you quicker. Uh, yeah, they should probably get more than $2 an hour, which is what I was getting when I was working night shift. (laughs) So now the, the big thing with sleep, it's a big health topic nowadays. And one of the things that a lot of people will, I don't want to say advertise, but they recommend are blue light glasses. Blue light glasses help block some of the blue light from devices and TVs if you do have to use them after the sun goes down, but there is no consensus whatsoever as to whether or not it helps with eye strain. Hmm. And they're expensive. They're not cheap. No, they're not because I've looked at them. I actually have a blue light film on my glasses, like a lens thing that they put on there. You can do a blue light thing on my phone. I have Mm -hmm. a, what is this thing? It's a Galaxy S23 Note. No, they don't call it Note anymore. Uh, ultra 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 okay yeah anyway uh you can turn the blue light switch on it and it changes the appearance of the screen and it looks weird and i don't like it oh well that's what i've done to mine my phone is not like my laptop it's not my laptop was giving me all the blue light it's got to give my, my phone it is not the question becomes how can you reduce the negative effects of blue light You use a blue light filter for smartphones, tablets, and computer screens. They prevent some of the blue light from reaching your eyes without affecting the visibility of the display. You can follow the 20-20-20 rule to reduce digital eye strain, which is take a 20-second break to view something 20 feet away every 20 minutes. Who's going to do that? Right. Like every 20 minutes, look up at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. I mean, I can't remember to do something every 20 minutes if I don't set an alarm. We're going to have to set a timer on our phone. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Control the lighting and the glare on your device. A lot of times glare can um, make the the negative effects of blue light worse. You set Mm -hmm. up a good working distance and a good posture for viewing your screen and confirm that even minor vision problems are properly corrected, which means go talk to your eye doctor and see whether or not they recommend any type of blue light protection. Well, if I'm yeah. mistaken, I believe that you can get screen protectors that also help block the blue light. Oh, uh, let's see what else the CDC recommends. For proper sleep hygiene, the CDC recommends avoiding large meals, caffeine, and alcohol before bed. They also say exercise, which is what Shalom was just talking about, because being mm-hmm. physically active during the day can help you sleep better at night. Now, there is a doctor by the name of Matt Walker who talks on something called the four pillars of sleep. The four pillars of sleep are depth, duration, continuity, and regularity. So the depth of your sleep is talking about the quality of your sleep waves, how deep into sleep you are. The duration is talking about the sufficient amount of time uh, for adults, an average of seven hours is what's recommended. And continuity is talking about uninterrupted sleep. And regularity is talking about going to bed and getting up at the same time every day. And if you think about it, 
people used to, and it was always termed going to bed with the chickens. You went to bed when it got dark and you got it up when it got light. Mm -hmm. That's very regular. It is. Yeah. Although depending on what time of the year it is, I go to bed before the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so what time do you go to bed at night? I go to bed on a normal, on a normal day when I, when I don't have to work nine or 10 hours, I'm in bed by between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. Wow. But I get up early. What time do you usually get up? Well, it depends. Again, it uh, depends on, uh, you know, how many hours I have to work that day. But I'm, okay. I'm up typically by about 4.30. Okay. And then I give myself extra time now because I got chickens I take care of in the mornings. And mm -hmm. I, I do it in the mornings because where my husband works alternate shifts, um, he may not be here at a time when they need to be let out of their little house. Right. So I take care of him in the mornings and he, he's generally the one that does it in the evenings unless he's not here because of evening shift or something like that. Typical work day for Shalom. What time do you go to bed and get up? Preference is be in bed and almost asleep by 8.30. And then my alarm currently is set to wake me up at 4.45. 4.45. So that gives you enough time to get up in the mornings and do a workout, get a shower, get the girls ready and get out the door. Usually, yeah. <laughs> Some mornings are harder than others, but yeah. I don't have a set bedtime and I do not have a set time to get up, which may be one of the problems that I'm having with getting regular Maybe. sleep. Maybe, uh, yeah. A lot of times I don't go to bed until 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. That's typical for me. And then I'm up around 8, 8.30, but I do not sleep continuously that amount of time. Because if my husband did not wake me up and tell me that he was leaving, I would be very upset. So I get woke up between 5.30 and 6 every morning with him telling me, goodbye, I'm leaving. So, Well, your marriage is so different than mine. Yeah. <laughs> my husband wakes me up, he better be ready to die. <laughs> if I'm sleeping, don't wake me up unless you were dying. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no no I'm not like that he works an hour away you know it it would be different if he just worked here in town would it did he still do that when he worked there in town yes he did so it wouldn't make a difference <laughs> probably not it would make less of a difference how about that <laughs> yeah no I, I understand I mean I, I respect you all doing that I, I really do but you know for me if I'm sleeping unless you're dying don't wake me up I mean, of course, not literally dying, but if right. you wake me up, there better, be, there better be a good reason. Otherwise, I'm not going to be happy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> All right. What else have I got? Ooh. Okay. Here we go. A 10-3-2-1 method of sleep hygiene. 10-3-2-1. Ready? 10 hours before bed, stop all caffeine. Can I read my little statistic that I have about caffeine? Yes, please. A moderate intake of caffeine six hours before bed reduced the total sleep time by 41 minutes. And the total sleep time disruption if you drank caffeine three hours before you went to bed was 63-minute reduction in your total sleep time. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. So even though like I can drink a cup of coffee and go to sleep, but my mm -hmm. sleep cycles are going to be all messed up. <laughs> be all over the place, yeah. So that's, that's the 10 for the 10, three, two, one, three hours before bed, no food or alcohol, two hours before bed, no more work, 
which is when you should shut your tablets and your TVs and all that off. One hour before bed, no more screen time. So take a bath, read, uh, mm -hmm. crochet. Get your lunch ready for the next day. Yeah. So, and then there's also, uh, it's the four, seven, eight breathing technique to help your body relax. It's you inhale for a count of four, you hold your breath for a count of seven, and you exhale for a count of eight. That's very difficult to do it for more than like three times in a row, you know? Yeah, breathing exercises are hard. Yeah, you have mm -hmm. to think about them. Here's the best one that I found that, that I like. It's called cognitive shuffling. And it reminds me of a game that we played with our kids when we would go on long road trips. We called it the alphabet game, mm -hmm. where we would let one of the kids pick a topic. And a favorite topic would either be food or movies. So let's say we, we picked movies, okay, or animals. And we would go through the alphabet and we would go around the car and everybody would name a movie that started with A. I would say Aladdin. What would you say, Dee Dee? <laughs> Me, I was, hey, oh gosh, so you got me on the spot now. I didn't think I was going to have to say anything. <laughs> um, gosh, Alcatraz. Shalom. A few good men. There we go. And then we would go on to the letter B and so forth and so on until we went all the way through the alphabet. And then another kid would get to pick another topic and we would start all over again. All right. Cognitive shuffling. It is a technique designed by Dr. Luke Bedouin. B-E-A-U-D-O-I-N. Okay. For lack of a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. And it's to help people stop worrying about things after they go to bed. Now, here's the technique. You think of a five-letter word without too many repeating letters. So we're going to use the word bedtime. So you think of the letter B, and you think of every word that you can possibly think of that starts with the letter B. And you say it in your head, of course. Bedtime is more than five letters. <laughs> well, that's just what, that's what I picked. Okay. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, wait a minute. I did that. At least a five letter word is probably uh, what I should okay. have said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like if you do a three letter word, that's not enough letters, right? But it needs to be at least five letters. Okay. okay gotcha. Okay. So bedtime, you think of every possible word that you can think of that starts with the letter B. I know a lot of words that start with the letter B. Bread. Bread <laughs> is probably the first one. <laughs> Beagles. Yeah. Berries. Bananas. Boys and berries. Ballet. Bigfoot. <laughs> Belly. <laughs> Belly button. Oh, that's a double one. Do I get Ooh, credit for a double one? You got two points. <laughs> <laughs> so once, you, once you've exhausted the B, you move on to the letter E, then the letter D. If you get all the way through and you're still not asleep, pick a different word and start all over again. <laughs> So this sounds to me that it's a little bit similar to counting sheep. Kind of. I mean, it's it's different. It's more complicated. It is definitely more complicated, yeah. but it's cognitive shuffling. It's getting your brain yes. to think about things other than what you're worrying about. Right. And it helps you go to sleep. And I like that one. Another thing that I ran across is something called the military sleep method. The military sleep method was... Um, Credit, it's credited to a guy by the name of Bud Winter, who was an Olympic sprinting coach, who also studied sports psychology. And it was developed for Navy pilots who needed rest, despite the fact that all hell might be breaking loose. Hmm. If they're in a dangerous circumstance or if they're sitting on the line waiting to be called out. And there are five steps. And, and this one, 
I don't know that I've ever heard it called the military sleep method, but I've done this one before. You breathe deep and focus on your breath. Breathe in, mm-hmm. breathe out. You don't worry about doing any type of other breathing technique. It's just deep breathing in and out. Then you relax your face one muscle at a time. You concentrate, you relax your forehead, you relax around your eyes, you relax your cheeks, your chin, and then you move on to your neck and your shoulders and you focus on each individual part of your body all the way down to your toes. And after you get to your toes, you deep breathe and you clear your mind and you think about nothing. Now, with practice, these Navy pilots were able to be able to fall asleep in less than two minutes. I actually do that technique with my body every night. I don't do it with my body every night, but I will say that when I do yoga and you're close and we're closing out yoga in a savasana, you know, the corpse pose where you're just laying there, <laughs> that's when I do it. And I have tried to do it before I go to bed, but usually I end up getting to a part of my body that hurts. And then my brain goes, well, why is that hurting? It could be this. It could be that. Do I need to go see the doctor? Do I need an x-ray? I might need an MRI. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you go, okay, what's wrong with me? I pulled a muscle. So how many words start with the letter P? (laughs) (laughs) You just go right into the next one. Go right into the next one. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. after about six weeks yeah. of practicing, these Navy pilots were able to yeah. fall asleep in under two minutes. That's I, amazing. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I've, I've used that technique before myself, and, and it worked for me. I've fallen asleep rather quickly, but it was not intentional. Tim and I were driving home one day from work, and he was he said something to me, and I answered him, and I fell asleep. And then he asked something else, and I didn't answer him, and he was like, You fell asleep that fast. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one of the things that I did come across was that if you are in bed, and I don't know how you do this because I'm horrible with with guessing time, right? Guessing the amount of time that has passed. But if you haven't fallen asleep in 20 minutes, you're supposed to get up and do something non-strenuous in low light for another 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then go back to bed and try to go back to sleep. <laughs> but if you don't have a, if you don't have your clock, which nowadays most everybody's clock is their phone, how do you know it's been twenty minutes? <laughs> oh, oh, I've got a clock in the bedroom. Shines the time on the ceiling. What? That way you want to see what time it is. Or you got to lose with the ceiling. See, I can't sleep with light. We I had an either. alarm clock before we moved into this house. I don't know what happened to it because it still worked, and it was one that. I had the same clock when Arnie and I got married. Very old digital radio clock. Like the typical one. I've seen a meme that says, you know, you were an 80s kid if you had to wake up to this clock. Yeah, I've <laughs> had that I've same got clock. I've got one of those in the living room. I've got one of those in the living room right now. It belongs to my husband. You know what I'm thinking about? I want a wind-up alarm clock. But tick, 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 tick. That's going to keep me awake. That would keep you awake? See, I can't do light, but I can do a consistent sound. Like if I had a metronome, that would be awesome. No, I, I can't do the the sound. Now I can't do light either. But this this clock I'm talking about, the light that's on the ceiling, it's not anything that keeps me awake. And I can't stand light either because the clock that it's attached to is covered in cloth because there's too much light coming off of that clock. Right. I used to, I used to cover it up too. And our would be like, how am I supposed to see what time it is? <laughs> Because I kept it covered up with a washcloth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I keep it, I keep it covered up. 
except for the the little projector thing. It projects the, on the on the ceiling. Hmm. Maybe I'll look into one of those. Interesting. But that's all I have as far as sleep hygiene. I do know, I do recognize that I need to do better myself. It might help with the sleep insomnia. Actually, it was one of the things that was recommended by the doctor that diagnosed me was to develop a good bedtime routine. It's amazing. It's like we will get into these things of, all right, I have to have, this is my workout and this is my nutrition, but we don't ever think about, all right, this is my sleep plan. You know, we have all those boxes to tick off. We did so many reps with this weight and so many reps with that weight. And I ate this many vegetables a day. I ate this many fruits a day. What about sleep? That's a very good point. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sister Sharpened Sister. If you enjoyed this episode, invite your family and friends to listen and leave us a review. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Sister Sharpen Sister. And don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date on future episodes. We appreciate all of you for listening and hopefully you will join us next time. That's all folks. Oh, shoot. That is so funny.